All right. Well, good morning. My name is Nathan. Welcome to Emmaus Church. I'm glad to see you here. Raise your hand if you like a Bible this morning. If you like a communication card, they are tucked in the Bible. So just raise your hand and we'll get you whatever you need. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Bob, for serving as ushers this morning. Really appreciate it. Appreciate all of you who are volunteering consistently. I need to take some time next week just to thank some people because uh, consistently I'm just so encouraged by the many of you who are giving all kinds of time and energy and focus to serving the church. All right, well, we are in uh, week two of a series called Influence. We are, it's kind of a second part of our fall plan, which began with a big sort of story of the Bible as our foundation for the kind of restoration, the kind of life we believe the Bible is calling us to live. This is sort of part two, and it's focusing on specific ways to do restoration. We want to get real practical, really push us into our life, our Monday through Friday often, in a way that will give us resources and challenges and opportunities and insight into ways that we can make a difference right where we live. And so when we put this together, one of the people that came to mind, and I'm so glad is available to be part of this series with us today is our good friend Jeremiah Aha. Come on up. It's good to see you again. Jeremiah has preached here several several times. Yes, you can clap for him. He's a local favorite. Jeremiah has spent a lot of his uh, time, especially maybe the last 10 years of life, it feels like, uh, really focusing on this idea of local restoration, of engaging people right where they live, and, and really challenging the church uh, to um, to look local versus just overseas, just overseas as the place where um, good restoration ministry needs to take place. And I would just say this, that often at this point I'm trying to like take a big breath and go, oh my gosh, I have to speak again. And right now I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I get to hear this message again because it's super good and I'm really excited that you're here and get to hear it. So thank you for joining us thank you, this brother. morning. Welcome. Yes, thank you. Good morning, Emmaus. So good to be here. This place, right? Oh, my God. Can we give it a hand for this place? This is incredible. I've been telling everyone that I've seen every morning, like, I can't believe it. If you're new, it wasn't always like this. <laughs> but for those of you that have been together, you know, 13 years or three years or whatever, um, this is so cool. This is overflowing with gratitude along with you. This place is awesome. It's a gift to be with you by a show of hands. Who would say, I was raised in the church? Okay, not bad. Almost the same as, as first service. It's interesting. So um, I would also be raising my hand along with you. I mean, I was doing Sunday school, vacation Bible school, big church, um, summer camps. I'd go to um, prayer nights with my dad. Um, I was, grew up in small uh, Baptist churches in East Texas. So they had soul winning nights. So I'd go with my dad. If you're familiar with that. And this all happened, I mean, there was a lot of church until I was about 10 years old, and mom and dad um, got a divorce. And it was hard. It was confusing. It was challenging. Um, and that was a separation of me with a faith community. So I didn't really experience youth group as a youth, only really as a youth pastor, which is interesting. Um, but that's the way it grew up for me, and kind of hearing from you, you know, raising the church now we're here 21st century, California, not East Texas. How will not yet Christians hear about Jesus? 
Because chances are, it's not going to happen the way I was introduced to Jesus or the way you were introduced to Jesus. I'm guessing it was an event or as an invitation with a friend to come to a place or an all-nighter or something where there was a microphone and a speaker and a room full of people kind of like this. But in the 21st century in California, even the city that I live in, in Sacramento, at best, two out of ten people are going to walk into a church service twice a month. At best. So the question is, how are those not yet Christians going to encounter the love, the ways, the teaching of Jesus? How is that going to happen as we move forward? Take a look around. Lock lock eyes with someone. Don't get awkward, though. Just really quickly. You're looking at the answer. You're looking at the one right here. The answer is us. The answer is his sent people, the people that God has sent into downtown Lincoln. The answer is you guys. Use guys, y'all, as I used to say. It is us. Much like what happened when our story first began. In fact, AD 100, there was 25,000 Christians, historians estimate. 25,000. So a small city, right? 25,000 Christians at the time, and the New Testament wasn't even really, like, complete yet. I mean, there wasn't, hey, turn to your Bibles to the book of Luke. That didn't exist, Okay, so 25,000 people meeting in homes and caves and in hiding because they would say Jesus is Lord, which is one of the most politically charged statements of the time. Because when you said Jesus is Lord, that meant Caesar isn't. So Caesar is Lord, they would not say. They would say Jesus is Lord, which put a lot of pressure on the emperor, the Caesar, at the time. In fact, third or fourth century, so mid-300s, there was 20 million Christians 20 million, that's a woe moment for sure. 20 million in less than 300 years. How did that happen? They definitely didn't have the resources that we have today. Definitely didn't. So they had each other. And they had a love for everyone in front of their path. So they would care for the needy. They would, they would take in the sick. They would feed the hungry. And they so much so that it got the attention of the emperor at the time. And his name was Julius. I have a picture of him. You can see why he's the emperor. He had really kind eyes. Let's go next slide and take a peek at that. We'll see it in a little bit. It's going to be great. Just, this is intrigue building right now. There we go. Emperor, really kind eyes or terrifying eyes. One of the two. So this is Julian, and he said, all these people are hearing about this man from Galilee, Jesus, and and they're they're taking care care of other people, and now they're going to go and kind of follow them, and they're not following me. I can't have this. So here's what we're going to do. He tells his Roman officials, let's set up hostels, food distribution centers, and let's, let's us do it so that they can know that Caesar is Lord, so I can have this acclaim, so I can really get people back. He was the last non-Christian Roman emperor. The last one. He tried to do this, and he failed miserably. Like, it was a blowout. Dream Team 92 blowout. (laughs) Those are the older millennials in the room that got that one, okay? Or older. Um, A blowout. In fact, historians found that this was said of Julius. In fact, his, his real name is awesome, Flavius Claudius Julianus. So there's one if you're looking to name a child. There's there's a suggestion for you. Um, Historians found that he said this, for it is disgraceful when the impious Galileans, at this time in history, real quick, Jesus the Nazarene was known as the Jesus from Galilee, right? The region where he was from. And back then in this time, fourth century, they called Christians atheists. 
because they didn't worship the pagan gods like the Romans did. Interesting, right? They didn't believe in these wood and, and wooden and, and stone-carved gods. They called them atheists. So impious Galileans, those ones who didn't worship like we did. It's disgraceful. It's a shame. They're making a fool of us because they support not only their own poor, but ours as well. All men see that our people lack aid from us. The Christians love without regard of belief system, socioeconomic status, without a regard if you were man or woman, slave or free, they loved without boundaries. And it caused the empire of Rome at the time to take notice. The way that they were living evoked questions from other people. It evoked, like, why are they doing this? And the emperor tries to get a game plan together. We're going to outdo them. He lost. He lost. I think we are called to live questionable lives. Context matters for that statement, okay? You'll, you'll hear a little bit more about what that means. But this got the attention of even the Roman Empire, that Jesus is Lord, the message of the kingdom, which it began was, the, the message that began wasn't Jesus died for you. The original message for the first several hundred years of our story was he's alive. It wasn't until like the 16th century that Christ is depicted in art on the cross. The message was he's alive. He's risen. This changes everything. This message of the kingdom. And, and there's a familiar passage. It's in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there or launch the app, however you'd like to do it, or it's on the screens. A familiar prayer to many of us in the room. Maybe you can help me out. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Next three words. It's the first request of Jesus in his prayer. I learned it. it was thy kingdom come. Because dad read the King James Version. And he said, if it's good enough for King Jimmy, it's good enough for me. So I, I memorize it as thy kingdom come, which I think sounds a little more poetic. In any event, this is the first request of Jesus in his prayer. May your kingdom come, God. May your kingdom come. And this is one of the, the phrases or the words that I think becomes uh, like biblish, how I've said before here, which is Bible gibberish put together. It's this phrase or this word that's said over and over again that it kind of, the meaning just kind of slips through the cracks. We're like, I, it's just some, you know, word with angels and hymnals. Like, I don't know, right? So this is the way that the Jesus Storybook um, translation does it, which is great. My daughters have it, Jesus Storybook Bible. This is how it's translated there. Thy kingdom come looks like this. Make everything in the world right again. And in our hearts, too. Do what is best. Just like you do in heaven. And please do it down here, too. God, do what is best in downtown Lincoln. May your kingdom come here. This kingdom message of that hope is real and alive, that tomorrow doesn't have to look like today. May that message be seen, may it be proclaimed from our mouth and may it be demonstrated by our lives, this kingdom message. Make everything right again, everything, because there's plenty of things that need fixing, plenty of things that need to be put back together, relationships, foundational systems in our society, economics, culture, 
And last but certainly not least, us. Make everything in the world right again. And we've been invited, all of us in the room, you know when you locked eyes with someone in the room and you thought, them? Yes, even them. We've all been invited to join with him to do this. This invitation comes at the end of Matthew, actually, at the end of the book that you're in, Matthew chapter 28. And we oftentimes hear this passage, we call it the Great Commission. We hear it around like missions month or missions time, is the way I heard it. And all of the flags of the world will be flown up near the stage and we talk about, see, it says, go and make disciples of all nations. That's great. I believe in that. I want to back it up just a little bit. The three most powerful words, at least for me, that's changed the way I see Jesus and this mission. This is after the empty tomb, after the cross, and the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Judas didn't make it. Went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, it's actually therefore, as you are going, as you are going, make disciples. Teach them everything I told you. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I'm with you always. You've heard this. I'm with you. This Emmanuel gets to shout out at the end, God with you, God with us. Three words in there. But some doubted. But some doubted. Jesus doesn't separate the doubters. He doesn't say, all of you guys, B squad, you're over here. I'll tell you something later. Now, all the ones that got it together, I've given all of my authority onto you. Now go out and spread this mission. He doesn't do that. He groups them all together. He has them all together. So if you have questions, if you have doubts, if you have confusion, if there's anger, if there's God, why did this happen? You're invited to join with us. Even Peter, the one who just days before denies Jesus publicly three times, even he gets a jersey. That's a big kind of love, man. Even he gets a jersey. So if you're here and you're like, I don't know about this, sometimes me too. Maybe it's been a long season of that in your life, like, I just don't know about all this. I mean, those are really great people, and I get bagels and cream cheese once a week, and that's fun. That's fine. You're still invited. Doesn't matter to me your age, your employment status, where you live, the last time you bathed, it, it doesn't matter. You've been invited. The doubters get included in this invitation. So that's all of us. So I want to begin there that everyone has been invited, even those that doubt. Here we go. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. We're going to anchor ourselves in here this morning. Peter's writing a letter, and in it he says this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Always be prepared to give an answer for the reason for the hope that you have. 
This statement implies that someone's asking us a question. Tomorrow, at some point, someone's going to ask maybe, what did you do over the weekend? That's what you do on Mondays. You're like supposed to ask that question. (laughs) How was your weekend? What did you guys do? And maybe for some of you, you're going to say, I went to church. I can't remember the last time anyone has told me, the last time I've heard from somebody that when they said, oh, I went to church, someone said, I have so many questions for you. I've been so curious about that. Can you tell me more about how that affects your life? It doesn't, I mean, maybe it's just me. I only know my experience, but us being here today isn't all that intriguing to those that don't follow Jesus. And I'm not trying to slam us, I'm not. I'm just saying us being here doesn't evoke the kind of intrigue and questions. For some, it might be kind of expected. Oh, cool. That's good. It's even weirder when you say, like, oh, I was a guest speaker at a church. (laughs) They're like, oh, I I got some emails to check, man. We'll we'll talk to you later, all right? They don't want anything to do with that. Because, like, so he is a pastor, but he isn't. But, oh, what does he think of me? Like, those questions don't, I don't remember the last time someone's like, your kid goes to VBS? Tell me. I have so many questions. How much has this affected their behavior? Doesn't, it's okay. We can laugh at ourselves. It's okay. Us being here doesn't like, oh, I'm so glad someone that goes to church can tell me what Awana is. I've always wondered. <laughs> I'm not going to hear that from someone who doesn't follow Jesus for a not yet Christian. That doesn't happen. So we are called to live a life that evokes questions, intrigue, and curiosity from others. Maybe it looks like, hey, you have two weeks paid vacation and you went overseas to like work? Why? That, that's a conversation starter. Hey, with that big bonus you're going to get at the end of the year, you guys are going to do what? Hey, why is it that the, the guy in the neighborhood that no one really likes because of lists, you know, A, B, C, D, and E reason, why are you doing this? These are some of the questions that might come to the surface. This is some of the questionable lives that I'm kind of inviting us to live this morning. And here's a question before we get in some of these rhythms and rituals for us as a people to unveil this kingdom message to others. I'm going to ask one thing just to kind of set as a foundation, and that is this. What does it say about God? that for the first 30 years in the life of Jesus, he's relatively unnoticed in the neighborhood. For 30 years, he's in the neighborhood before he begins his public ministry. 30 years. 1987. Reagan administration. 30 years. Reagan, right? Yeah, Reagan. 30 years. Relatively unnoticed before he begins. What does it say about him? I think what it says is that presence is very important, that being is very important before doing. And I would, I would invite you into this posture, practice presence before projects. What I love is that God has placed you guys in the heart of a city where you've already been for 12 years, 13 years. And for many of you, maybe this is putting language to what you've been doing. Like, I've been here, I've been in the same house, the same neighborhood, the same school district. You guys are the best kingdom agents for Lincoln, 
not me. You guys are. You know the traffic flow, the rhythms, where to get the best avocados that are, like, ripe longer than nine minutes. Like, you guys know it. You guys know the best Thai food place, if there is one. Like, you guys know it. I don't even know. Is that? Okay, Orchid Thai. Oh, we have one. Yes, I do. I just went there like a week ago. Their drunken noodles were, it's great. It's great. I said, oh, never mind. Um, you guys know it. Practice presence. Practice being here. I think what this says in the life of Jesus, who we never see is in a hurry or is rushed or is anxious. He's just, he's there. Wherever he's at, he's there. So this morning, take a deep breath. Be here. Be here. As Christians, and especially as leaders of ministries, there's great intentions and there's pure hearts to want to come into a city thinking, we're bringing in God. One, he has much better music intro than that. And two, he was here before we arrived. He was already at work. He was already doing things. And maybe the, the programs and the projects and things that we're bringing, maybe they don't, this community doesn't actually need. So sometimes when we begin like a project first kind of mindset, like what stuff can we do, we forget like that there's people here and that people are not projects. They are made in the image of God. Let's begin there. Okay? So before we get into some of these rhythms and rituals, make sure that we understand that presence and being and rooting ourselves in a place is quite important. Okay, we're going to begin an acrostic, which is going to help us remember what moves forward. Say the word bells. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Say the word bells again. And one last time. Later on, you'll figure out why we repeated that three times. I want you to remember bells, okay? And this is a, um, a way of going about kind of living on mission that uh, Michael Frost, a friend, and also an author has kind of made Uh, public in his book called Surprise the World. I'd recommend it to you. We have a picture of the of the cover on this next slide and you'll see um, it's it's pretty small. It's kind of like a handbook and I would recommend it to you. It's something that um, for those that are in Forge Sacramento, a a training residency to to train people to live as missionaries in their neighborhoods, we use this. And it's something that's very um, a lot of hooks on it. It's easy to grasp. And it's good to walk through with a community of people. To do this, do this with a community of people, whether it's entire community or maybe in small groups. I don't know the rhythms of how that works with Emmaus, but I would, I would invite you into it. And the first, the first letter is B, and B stands for bless. B stands for bless. And part of the root of this word, how it began, one of the definitions could be to add strength to another's arm, to help carry their burden, to lift their spirits. This is what it means to bless, to help carry someone's load that they're, that they're having to drag through life, just, just to help them. And this can be in three different ways. Number one, it can be through words, just words of affirmation. You know and I know there are some words that have just hung on to us, maybe since we were kids, or maybe if you are under 18 in the room, that there's going to be some words that have hung on that haven't blessed you. Words really, really matter. 
So a kind word, an encouraging word, sometimes will be someone, something that someone never forgets, especially if it happens at a time when they need to hear it. I say the, the phone call is a new handwritten letter. You get a phone call out of nowhere without the pretext. You're like, well, what's going on? Do it, do it over the phone. I would even say that because we can text. We can, you know, most of us can, but let's hop on the phone. Maybe they need to hear how much you've or they've affected your life for the better. Words is one. Two, that's just acts of kindness. That's just, you know, helping somebody out. That's just maybe somebody at work doing one of the tasks that they've been assigned, but hey, you have a little bit extra time so you can do it. Maybe it looks like, you know, helping um, if there's a single parent at home. Maybe it looks like helping them out. Maybe it looks like, can I do something for, is there errands that I can run? Maybe it looks like mowing a lawn. I don't, I don't know the context that you're in, but just something very practical, helping them out. An act of kindness, just because. The last word, or the last uh, way is just through gifts. I have a few friends that they are so good at like, hey, I was just at this place and I thought of you and here this is. And sometimes it's like something, it's like a postcard, like, hey, I was at the airport, I went here, I know you always, you know, we always laugh about this inside joke about Chicago, I don't know, whatever, and so here you go. I mean, it's just through gifts, just something little, it doesn't have to be extravagant, just gifts. And blessed, blessing is not like an evangelistic strategy, by the way. This is a lifestyle. Blessing isn't mean, a means to an end. It isn't like, if I keep blessing them, maybe then they'll ask me about Jesus, and then I can get them to become a second service with me. Don't do that. Then we cheapen the blessing. Blessing is the end in itself. In the Old Testament, you've been blessed to be a blessing to the world. It's the means, it's the end. It's the way we can show, I see you, I acknowledge you, I love you, I want to bless you. So B is for bless. E is my favorite. E is eat together. Eat together. Throughout the Gospels, there's three times where a sentence begins, the Son of Man came, dot, dot, dot. Anybody familiar with any of those? The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost is one. There's another. It's the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve is the second one. The third one, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. This is how he did it. It happened around the table. There was a meal that happened like 2,000 years ago, and we're still talking about it, guys. We're still studying it. We're st it's still a mystery to us. We, we still actually enact it every single week. When Nate and I first met, over some Beach Hut Deli, sandwiches bigger than our heads. And he said, this is what our rhythms for gathering looks like. We, we go through the Eucharist. We go through the, the family meal every week. And I said, oh, man, you got me there. And it's good because it all happens at the table. The, the cross makes a better, like, pendant for a necklace, but the table really is, is it. It'd be kind of awkward, like, well, that's a table. Like, the table. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. It's the thing that Jesus said, when, every time you do this, remember me. When you eat and when you drink, remember me. The table is the great equalizer for all of us. 
Many of us eat 21-ish times a week. Ish. <laughs> you know, high and low on that. It's where we share hopes. It's where we share dreams, disappointments, hang-ups. I hate it when my boss wins, you know? W-H-E-N, you know, da-da-da. It's when we share our fears. It's where we share life. It's at the table is where it happens. Like, this is where discipleship happens, at the table. When you begin to, to regularly meet with someone at the table, share a meal, a cup of coffee, like, life begins to kind of unfurl. Powerful conversations, and one that we keep talking about happened at a table. So here's your invitation. Eat with someone else three times a week, intentionally. Two times with somebody here, a part of the Emmaus community. One time, someone that's outside of it. Two times, Chipotle here, okay? One time, Orchid, Orchid Thai, is that what it's called? Orchid Thai, some, you don't have to pay for it. I'm not saying like you have to pay for all these meals either. But just sit down and eat together. I find it hilarious and subversive and, oh, and whatever that emotion is when the people throughout Luke, Jesus is always at the, at the table with people he shouldn't have been in the book of Luke. And they say, Jesus, he's, he's a drunkard and a glutton. And the thing that he says is, when you eat and when you drink, remember me. <laughs> That's like his final shout out. Like, oh, by the way, they're not right, but they're totally right. And keep telling that story. It happens at the table. Eat together three times. One time someone outside our community, two times within. Maybe it's a donut and coffee because donuts are amazing. Here we go. The first L, the first L is listen to the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. And we'll talk about um, a practice that we can do that um, at the end. But first L is listen to the Spirit. It's also listen to the neighborhood is what I would say too. How many of you by a show of hands would say, I take a walk almost every day, morning or night? Yeah, I'm a morning walking guy. It's peaceful, it's calm, it's hoodie weather right now, I'm loving it, okay? Maybe when you're walking, your simple prayer is, Lord, may your kingdom come in this place. For this house right here, for that house right there, for this family right here, for this business right here, for this place right here, may your kingdom come. May, you get to, may they get to know and see you maybe on a regular basis. May it be kind of like Norm at Cheers. Norm walks in and everybody says, Norm. Norm. Only those that watch TV in the 80s. I don't even know if Cheers is on Netflix or not. I don't know. Sorry if I cut you out. Norm. He was a known person. Like he, he had rhythms there, right? They knew him. Maybe God's inviting us to like listen to the neighborhood, become like, hey, there she goes again. There he goes again. Listen to the neighborhood. We'll have a practice at the end. Listen to the Spirit, okay? Um, second L is to learn Christ. Learn Christ. This is kind of an older term. Early Christians would use this term. They would learn Christ. For our second L, disciple is one that is learning in the process of learning, not learned, not, you know, having arrived, but I'm learning more and more. So what I would invite you into is with the group of people to stay rooted in the Gospels. If we are going to share the message, the love, the teachings of Jesus, we'd be wise to stay connected to it. I even think it'd be good to, 
to catch up on maybe a resource, a, you know, a book about Jesus. And there's probably plenty of recommendations in this room, whether it be you know, one of uh, the ministry leaders or just someone you're sitting next to would say, like, this one was really good. And it just talks about the life of Jesus. Learn Christ together in a community. Discuss it. Have different viewpoints, arguments about it. Why do you say this? It says this here and the opposite here. What's up with that? Learn Christ. Get tangled up in his ways and in his love altogether. S. S is sent. Sent. B-E-L-L-S. S is sent. You've already been sent. It's already happened. So if you're in the room and you're waiting for permission, if you're waiting for just, you know, on your mark is set, go from God. He's already said it. You've been sent here to downtown Lincoln. You've been sent here to the Lincoln community. You, you guys are it. Other, other um, Christian communities in here as well. I want to make this like an exclusive thing. But we've already been sent here. I think one way to remember this is to keep a journal. Is to keep something written of the, the conversations, the times, the appointments, the, the things that you've had that like, I had no idea that this was going to come up, and it did. I can't believe that she's now doing this, or I can't believe that he stopped doing that, or I can't believe that this topic came up again, writing those things down. An important word throughout the Old Testament is remember. Remember, remember. We're forgetful people, right? And oftentimes we only remember the bad and we forget the good. Remember, remember, you are a sent people. So I would say write some of these stories down that you have. Talk about it with other people. This is what happens when we become a, a more generous people, a more hospitable people, a more connected to Christ, a better listeners to what the neighborhood and what God is doing. We become more and more into our sentness. We are sent people. And conversations will come up when maybe you never knew that they would come up. It happened one time, actually. There was a, a Southern Baptist preacher in Portland. Stay with me. <laughs> okay. And he was talking to a friend of mine named Mike, and he said, hey, every once in a while, my neighbor, um, he says he makes Oregon's finest margaritas. Um, he has everyone over in the neighborhood to drink margaritas and to play poker. And I've always just wanted to talk to them about Jesus. And Mike said, well, have you? I said, how many times have you had conversations about Jesus with, all, with everyone in your block? Zero. Okay, how many times have you talked to the neighbor, the margarita-making, poker-playing neighbor? How, how many? Zero. Hmm. Shocking. Okay. Um, say yes next time. Say yes. Next time he invites you, when he makes margaritas and plays poker, just say yes. And so he does. And he was there, and he, he didn't have any margaritas, and that's fine. That was his personal choice. That's totally fine, because he, he thought that before, him saying no was a strong witness. There's nothing shocking about a pastor not drinking margaritas. <laughs> it doesn't evoke any kind of questions. When a pastor is at a margarita-mixing, poker-playing event with other guys, that's like, that evokes questions, <laughs> right? That's like, why are you here? Are you going to preach? No. I'm here to take you guys' money. <laughs> you know, maybe not. Maybe he didn't do that either. But no, I'm here to get to know you guys. I've lived here for years. I've never had a conversation with you. And so the pastor followed up with my friend Mike, and he said, hey, how many conversations with you had? He said, you wouldn't believe it. I had more conversations about Jesus and my faith than I've had in years that night. Just simply by being there, 
by showing up. Half of this, guys, is just showing up. Just showing up. So he's there. He gets to listen. He gets to interact. He gets to just be there. And he's all in, pun intended. Okay? He's just there. It's cheesy, I know, but it worked. Okay? Just simply by being, these are some of the things that would go in this journal. Like, and I went, and I couldn't believe it. And now they continue to ask me questions. We're, we are invited to live questionable lives. Context matters for that, once again. Hope you've been listening so far. Life, a life that evokes questions. The last thing that I'll send with us um, is this. This is a way to listen. This is the prayer of examine. This is one way to kind of get started. This is St. Ignatius of Loyola, 15th, 16th century. This is a practice that he kind of um, put into motion, and it has many variations. You can look online. There's plenty of books about it, but this is what I would offer to us. I think it's a really simple way to go about it. It's a four-step process. The prayer of examine is this. Number one, just become aware of God's presence. Maybe you do it at the same spot, at the same time every day. Just I would say either morning or night. Just come to a place just for a few minutes. God, you are here. You're in this place. And I'm going to just stop and slow down with all the to-do lists, all the reminders, all the notifications, all the swipes, all the dings, all the double taps, all the mommy can you, daddy will you, and just going to be here. Become aware that he's there already. It may take a few minutes for some of us, and that's okay. Sometimes it takes a while for me. Step two, after we become aware, is let's review the day. If it's in the morning, review the day before. If it's at night, remove the, re- review the day that you're in. Review it with gratitude, too. Think about what happened, the highs, the lows, the frustrations, the elations. Think, think about it all and what happened. Have a time to catch up. We do this very rarely in our culture. Just take time just to sit and be. So do this with gratitude with gratefulness for the little things. Third step is this really kind of scary question it can be is, God, where did I join with you today? And where did I miss you? We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to feel guilty. That's not, that's not of the kingdom. It's not. But just where did, where did I join with you, God? Where, where did we lock arms and do this together? Where did I help unveil your kingdom with you today? And where did I miss it? Like, what are the opportunities, that, even the small ones that you gave me, and I just, for whatever reason, I, I missed it. And try and sit with, with that question and with some of those responses in the silence. And the last one is this powerful request that I know the Father would love to answer, and that is, help me to join with you tomorrow. Help me to join with you tomorrow because you're, you're doing something. Jesus said, I, I'm making all things new. He says, my father is always at work. Like, let me join with you, Father, here in this place. I leave you with this verse. It's Jeremiah 29 and verse 7. You might be familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. It's on a lot of refrigerator magnets and graduation cards, and throw pillows, and doilies, and it's, it's a great verse. It's a great one. Great verse. 
let's, let's go up, though, a little bit. And this is God talking to his people that have been taken from their place and put someplace else. They've been carried into exile, and this is what he tells his people to do. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you. Seek the shalom. The fullness, the completeness, the wholeness of God's promises, the shalom. Seek the shalom of downtown Lincoln. Because when it prospers, you prosper. You're even more embedded in this community, and that is wonderful. Pray for the shalom of God to be unveiled and know that he invites you to be a part of that. Let's pray. Father, you're always at work, and you've invited us, every single one of us in this room, to join with you. So help us to do that. Help us to realize it doesn't have to be big and flashy and social media viral worthy, but it happens in these small, everyday actions. Help us to join with you in those small moments throughout the day. We thank you for the invitation to, to join with you. I ask that you would allow everyone in this room to know you are doing something around them and through them. May they be a people that have rhythms and rituals to join with that redemption here in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.